Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. How is your Monday? I I think I have discovered uh, Seattle winter, or at least the early uh, rumblings of is, it. Is, is it raining there? It's uh, let me or rainy snow? Not snow. It's it's not gotten below freezing even at night, but it okay. is raining a lot. Mm. Um, some some people would that call that the Seattle normal day. <laughs> yeah Maybe you got over there before when the in the in the, the dry season well yeah i think the summer is the dry season so it doesn't it you know the whole i wasn't here the whole summer because i kept going back to idaho to fly to uh indiana but um for the most part the whole time i was on the west side of the cascade mountains um which i used to call the sierra nevadas that's different that's down in california nevada yes area so, but the right. The mountain range in Washington with uh, Mount Rainier and a couple others is called the Cascades. And I think a lot of it is actually volcanoes, which is super awesome. Uh, Mount awesome. St. Helens is in that in yeah. that range. But um, yeah, when I was on this side of the mountains, it was mostly just kind of cool. And it would get warm sometimes. And once in a while it would rain, but just like a real light, misty rain. Um, yeah. I don't know that I've seen or been out in like a proper like Midwest downpour um, and no like thunderstorms or anything. I think that's something that you only get like in a lot of landmass or something. I don't really know. Um, yeah. I'm not a meteorologist, but um, <laughs> just play one on TV. Right. Yeah. It um, it rained Saturday. Uh, it rained last night, which was Sunday night. Then it was clear Sunday, which was nice because I moved camp. Um, hmm. I didn't go yeah. far. I moved about an hour further north. So I'm technically in uh, um, Blaine, Washington, which okay. uh, you may have heard of. I don't think it's a very big town, but it's right in the corner of Washington and like like northwest corner, top, top left corner of Washington right up against almost uh, to canada huh? to canada yeah i'm here two weeks so i'm thinking this upcoming weekend i might go across the border and uh see some things in vancouver because it's not very far it's like maybe oh an that's hour cool from here. that'd be a nice place to go see yeah um probably the you closest see, you can see where every film has been made in every, the last 10 15 20 every years. sci-fi channel and um right. and and cw series made uh, in the last 20 years. Yeah, you can uh, go watch every one of DC's cities. Metropolis, right. yeah. you know, Star City. C Central City, know. all Central that City, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so not, not too much exciting on the moving camping. I did do something that I perhaps surprisingly have never done before uh, this past Saturday, and I went to an RV show been doing oh right You're, so you weren't like looking at new homes kind of like going around for open houses <laughs> a but, little but bit even though a you're not bit. in the market yet right i um i've been casually looking at you know different many you know to maybe upgrade or side grade or change you know there's always um that kind of thing that you do i guess in a house you would look at like you know remodeling or like what if we move this furniture around in a camper mm -hmm. you don't really have 
those options. Unless, <laughs> a lot of spaces to do. You know, but you, you can, can see things like uh, storage solutions, I bet, and things like that. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, um, I won't get into a lot of the details because it's all just personal to my, um, you know, life and, and habits and, and kind of space. Like, I'm always trying to decide, like, buying a camper is a lot like buying a car. Right. So you you have mm-hmm. to you either buy it new and you pay a lot and you deal with financing and things or you buy it used and then you deal with like, is something broke that they not did they not tell me about that? Did they not know about that? What am I going to you know, you take a lot more risks because you don't pay as much. Um, and then, like, I assume most people are with cars. Um, if you buy a new car, you also have to sell your old car and. Yeah, you can trade it in, but you're not going to get as much for it. You have to decide, like, what's your time worth to deal with selling a car. And it's a whole a whole big hassle. So I often go back and forth between, like, I'll kind of window shop, dream browse around a little bit of, of different um, manufacturers, different models and kind of things. And then, you know, start to inch out into the, like, well, what if I, you know, had a motor home instead so I didn't have to deal with the trailer stuff then on the flip side, I don't have a separate vehicle to drive in town, so I have to either make sure I get everything on travel days or figure out some other solution, like tow a car with a motorhome, which a lot of people do, and then get into like figuring out gas mileage and all this stuff. It's a whole thing. And if you're interested in that topic, there are many, many people on YouTube uh, who will gladly uh, explain their, describe their experiences and their advice on those topics but uh for me um i'd never been to an rv show uh at least that i mm-hmm. know of definitely not since i got interested in doing this um and also for me it's complicated because if i bought another camper i would have to figure out how to move it um which is true for anybody but i also have the camper i'm living in so I'm like, would I, right, yeah. you know, put the put the hitch on my Jeep and go get the new camper and put this camper in storage and, you know, kind of deal with that whole thing and then try to sell it out here in the middle of nowhere and not in the middle of nowhere, but like far from any kind of permanent dwelling. Uh, obviously, people who full time uh, do stuff like that, but it just is a, an extra layer of complication for me. I drove past a fairgrounds on my travel day last weekend not this past but a week prior um and saw the big banners for it that were like rv show <laughs> september 22nd to 24th and i'm like that's next weekend i i should go i'm here i should go and it was about an hour from camp so i drove down there walked around looked at some different stuff i looked at some motorhomes i looked at some truck campers um I just talked about motorhomes a little bit. Truck campers, you need a big truck for. And I'm like, these days, this, the kind of truck that could haul one of these is going to, you know, be 70 grand probably. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. There's space in here, but probably not. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, a truck camper is that sort of um, iconic camper that um, mounts in the back of a pickup truck. Um, right, yeah. It looks like a classy motorhome. But it's separate, like you can lift it out. I think it's what Wolverine is living in, in uh, Logan, in is living in, in um, the 2000 okay. X-Men movie. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, if yeah, you, yeah. If you remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. And 
Yeah, the only thing I did see one floor plan that I that I really liked where it had like the whole front of the camper was kitchen, um, but still had a decent sized bed. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And it was a, a brand that I didn't know made campers um, that small, uh, which by that I mean they have a single axle, which means they have two tires, two wheels on the camper instead of four, or in some cases six for the really long ones. Mm-hmm. Um, my camper has two, and it sort of... Um, aligns with the overall weight right which goes into the whole um calculation of what size vehicle you need to tow what size camper the bigger oh yeah. the camper is so if it has Got enough two power a- to pull your house man right exactly and i'm like something with two axles if it's small if it's a small dual axle I could probably still pull it and not need to buy a different vehicle. But I'm like, if I just stick to the single axles, I know it's something my Jeep could pull easily. Um, yeah. And so I'm not worried about that. But this brand had this line of, of single axles. I'm like, I didn't even know that. And then I walked into this one and saw this big wraparound counter because one of the biggest uh, downsides to the camper I live in now is it has a really limited counter space, which is a common issue at campers this size. But I was like, oh, this is really nice. Um, the other thing I discovered is that the the thing people say about show pricing, which is um, this idea that you can get really good deals if you buy oh, right. something at an RV show, yeah. seems yeah. to be true. Like, I don't know. There are a lot oh, of really? things that, that I have no idea. Like, I don't know what they normally cost, so I can't tell how good oh, of a deal it true. is. Um, but there were a couple where I was like, I have not seen this for this low. Um, and I'm like that if you did all the planning, right. Cause you have to be ready to make a major purchase like the day of the show. Um, now they run all weekend. So if you're not an hour away, you could go and look at it and come back the next day or, or something like that. It's kind of an impulse purchase, but if you're prepared, you could probably save a little bit of money um, that way. I don't know. Again, I'm sure you could find somebody on YouTube talking about that at length. But I was like, oh, this is, you know, I've been looking at these and it's a brand new line. So there are no, there are no used, there's no used inventory because they're brand new. Uh, and, you know, I've never seen one under like 48,000 and this one's 37 or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's a, that's a thing. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I didn't spend too long there. Um, about an hour and a half, two hours, and then, uh, and then came back. But that was Still a my... pretty, pretty neat thing to, to see. Yeah. It, yeah. N- new, new, different experience. Um, yeah. That's, that's one of the things to think about. I, you know, that I don't hadn't think about until discussing these things with you is that I think the first thought is something like, man, if I'm going to get a camper home, I want to get one of those, you know, big ones that, pull out and have space and et cetera, et cetera. But right. the, the, and, and that you have the, the driving seat, all part of the, the whole interior and things, mm-hmm. uh, but know. you don't think of the very simple thing that you do very often, which is leave your home. <laughs> like, right. I think someone who has those and wants to go see a movie or go out to eat or go to a bar or go something else, they have to take their whole house. They don't right. have, you just unhook and can go do things like a normal vehicle. Yeah. 
whereas they wouldn't be able to do that, right? Unless yeah, they that, tow a car behind them. Right. A, a, thing. a lot of people tow a car behind them, just a normal car. Although a guy I follow on YouTube, um, he has a big Class C, and now he pulls a trailer with his motorcycle, but he also has a um, a smart car that he pulls sometimes. Like he can't, he has to choose, right? And so that's part of yeah, his right. dilemma. Like he loves riding his bike, but if it's cold or rainy or whatever, that's not that's less right. viable. But then he has a smart car that is really you know gets like fifty miles to the gallon or whatever, which is good right, because it's, it's, his it's camper not like... gets like six miles to the gallon. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Oh, yeah, right. It's not like, um, you know, other people who think about that, like myself, who think like, oh, I do this. I'm going to go out somewhere and go camping for a week where you're going to be sure. there for a week and you're experiencing. This is something you do every day. Right. So it's on an everyday thing. I have my house. I don't always want to be here every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, even though I may like where it's at and like the, you know, the scenery and things about it. I want to go somewhere else. And if. For us, we think about a camper. I'm only going to have it for that week, and I want to be there that whole time. But for you, it's a home and a lifestyle. you got to think about other things like mm-hmm. having a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a, an interesting thing because I know, unlike the people you're talking about that you, you know that are, you know, have these other dilemmas, most people think of campers as just used for vacation home type stuff. Right. Uh, occasionally, you know. Yeah. Of, and, there's, and there's a whole... I sort of knew this existed, but it's like a lot of things that like I knew was there, but didn't really think about um, until I started researching this. And especially once I started doing it, there's a whole class of camper that is it's somewhere between an RV and a and a trailer, like a manufactured house trailer um, where they they buy it and they move it or have it moved to an RV park and it stays there all year. So it's like oh, a, right. it's like a, um, like a vacation house or cabin that they right. come and stay a weekend in and then lock it all up and go home. And so huh. they have, you know, they don't need an extra because they drive to where their camper is and they pay for a site to, the the difference between that and like a trailer park trailer is that it can be moved again, sure. um, which I was going to say that that's very much like a mobile home. Which yeah, it's like it's like a mobile. Right? It's like a mobile home, um, and yeah, some people do those with just like a really big what they call fifth wheel, which is where the the hitch sits in the bed of the truck instead of uh, on mm-hmm. the bumper. Um, right. yeah, it's a whole. I went through a lot of you know different sort of deliberations when i when i started because um i wanted the i liked the idea of the self-contained vehicle a motorhome like a van or a or a class c um for not having to deal with the hitching and stuff but yeah, yeah having having the separate vehicle um to get back into town and it's part of why i bought the vehicle that i did because a, a jeep grand cherokee is not a small vehicle but it's not a pickup truck um which yeah. you know i would have much more um not much more but i would have more issues like finding parking getting into a parking spot and um parking garages and and stuff like that and i was because mm-hmm. i went from small cars right i had small yeah, import right. yeah. cars my last three vehicles and i was like i don't want to go to driving a huge truck all the time um, but that's what you got now. 
Yeah. Well, I have a I have a decent. I don't know what it's classified. It's I think of it more like a mid size SUV. Like I see it next to some small like crossovers and stuff, and I'm like, it's definitely bigger than that. Um, but I have family members who have like, uh, um, oh tanks oh, that go on the road, yeah. like a like a GMC Denali or a Ford um, Expedition or Excursion, and I'm <laughs> course, like, that's that's just a truck that's full of seats. Like, yeah. it's a massive, massive vehicle. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this weekend uh, I did. Uh, we had IU tailgating this weekend, mm-hmm. um, and. I, the, the fun part about this game was two parts. One, that it was at night. I love tailgating night games. It's just oh, sure. nicer. It, it's I say that with a little bit of a caveat in that. Now, it would, uh, when it's still February warm, ones, it's, right, it's yeah. nice, yeah. Late February ones are rough. We've done those when it's been, or sorry, late February, late November, about the same. Mm-hmm. Late November games, and it's freezing cold, and we're all just trying to stuff ourselves inside that old uh, Winnebago for the, the gold to, to, to do stuff, warm. yeah, you know, and and that's that's a fun in its own bit. But anyway, my favorite is where we can stay outside. And it, this last weekend, it was 80, 80 to eighty five during the day. Um, the game started at seven thirty, and it started to get cooler, so it was a little warm at the beginning, and we had fans going. But then by the time sunset, it was you know sixty five, uh, so it was really good. So that was part one that was really cool. Um, the second part was that. Um, uh, our buddy Troy from that we know from ICG con, uh, mm-hmm. he came down to visit. He had a family reunion type thing. So him and his son came to visit and spent the tailgate, went to the tailgate with me um, and got to meet a lot of people and things. And that was really fun to have him That's... there. Um, super neat. We were going to oftentimes, depending on the game, uh, I'll go and stay till around halftime. If it's a good game, then I'll stay and watch the rest of it, you know? Sure. Um, but our our friend group has where we go to as you know the tailgate there's a you know like a hundred people there before and then as the game starts they go inside and there's left with just you know like 15 10 to 15 people there for mm-hmm. our core group and we'll watch it on tv um so i was planning on that we would all leave around probably around halftime this was supposed to be a game we were playing against a team we were slated to win by 16 we we're supposed to do really good against them um well it ended up being four overtimes that the game wow. went into I know. So while that sounds like, wow, that was cool. Um, it was kind of a frustrating game because we should have been winning the whole time mm. and we were just doing terrible mistakes. So it was kind mistakes, of a, yeah. you know, like pulling teeth type thing. Like, Oh my God, we have every opportunity to keep losing it. Um, and then they would pull off just a random play that we should have stopped and win. So it was a lot of like, we should have been gone at halftime. This should have been put in the bed, but now we're staying here watching this thing, hoping for, upon hope and then when it gets to the overtime like okay fine it's an overtime they haven't done anything surely they'll they'll score we'll stay here and then they just didn't and then they didn't again and then they didn't again and then they didn't have like oh my god so we we decided at the fourth overtime that we were just gonna leave we're like fine it's we're gonna walk back to the car it's late um and we walk have to walk by the stadium to get to the car um and we walk by the stadium and sure enough that's when all the fireworks off went off and we of course one. Yeah. Um, but you know, right th- five minutes after we left, but, but anyway, <laughs> it, it was fun. It's still kind of cool, especially when you're outside the stadium to know, you know, the big first down Hoosiers or touchdown Hoosiers you'll hear mm-hmm. on, on the, the big speaker phones around the whole block and fireworks shoot up. And that's kind of cool. Right. Um, 
but it, it was just so interesting because, like I said, the game was supposed to be in bag, and a lot of people had le- a lot of people had left the stadium, and it was like twenty five percent full in a in a four times overtime because nobody expected it to be that close. Right. Uh, that, so that that's fun. We, we're going to get into the the later fall tailgate times, and um, those are cool, but they are cooler, um, which causes. I think I wear coats. And yeah, stuff to, yeah. I like to a good uh, a good sweater weather tailgate. I agree. Yes, that's that's a good time. So right now, I'm not sure if there's one next weekend. I think actually, I don't think there's one until late October. So we're going to miss a lot of that sweet spot time. Hmm. Um, but you know, then then we do things like we we're talking about doing things like chili. We have we have crab boils, which are all you know usually yeah, yeah. W- colder weather type stuff. Uh, Turkey day. It's one close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do all those. So you know, it's getting that time of year. It's always nice um, for, for tailgates. And I and I enjoy uh, tailgating. Um, okay, so what else do we have? Let's go ahead and jump into our our movie early. What do you think? I guess kind of early. Sure. All right. This week we watched The Change Up from 2011. Starring Jason Bateman, Ryan Reynolds, Leslie Mann, Olivia Wilde, and a few others. Marcia Monroe, Alan Arkin, uh, a handful of other bit parts. I almost see always there's pre-Deadpool Ryan Reynolds and post-Deadpool Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, that was the, his that, career. That was something that I was aware of early on in the movie and then after a while I stopped noticing it. Ryan Reynolds looks way younger. Uh, this movie yeah. is 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago. Jason Bateman looks the same, but I also... <laughs> he still looks the same, right? Yeah. I also don't know the last thing I saw Jason Bateman in that was new, right? Besides, like, re-watching Arrested Development or something. Oh. Um, you saw, we, saw, we saw Game Night. Remember Game Night? Game Night. That's what I was just going to say. That was five years ago. 2018 yeah sure for um yeah and i watched office christmas party but that was 2016 right and some people Um, some people have been watching him in ozark that's been a big thing that i I watched but i tried to watch ozark i watched the first episode and it just didn't same uh, it's like oh my god this is this is super heavy it's gonna be this didn't have any uh i didn't have any impulse to keep going with that but um so that's what he's kind of been doing yeah, and where I've seen Ryan Reynolds a lot recently because he's making oh, a yeah. sort of comeback, and I'm like, wow, he looks a lot different now than he did ten years ago. And um, and then he was doing all movies. His mo was the uh, Van Wilder personality, right? Oh yeah, back back then, back when this was made, yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. it's still Van Wilder kind of thing, which really. I mean, I saw Van Wilder movies in college. It was ten years before this. It was twenty yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. He so that that's kind of he was a typecast as Van Wilder type and romantic comedy lead type person. Right? Those were yeah, his two yeah. things that he mm-hmm. did. Um, you know, he's a good-looking fella, young guy, very charismatic. Um, so, and that's basically who he is here. Right? He's the same kind of things. Uh, it's interesting seeing him. And seeing, like, I've seen, watched um, Welcome to Wrexham, which is the documentary about his soccer team, him mm-hmm. and, and uh, his partner. And I 
got to I've gotten seen a lot of interviews with him. He does a lot of uh, off the cuff interviews since he's done Deadpool because it's like his baby type stuff. Um, and come to find out that he's what I call the Tom Cruise syndrome, where the characters he play are basically him, right? Sure. Um, I think he just he almost has that quick, inappropriate humor that he does all the time in normal. Um, and I see that come out in his movies when we watch like this older one, 2011. What was that? Not terribly old, but it's older. What was that mediocre time travel movie he did? Um, oh, yes. Uh, R.I.P.D. What's that? Oh, is that the one? No, that doesn't sound right. Where he meets his younger self. Oh, um, The Atom Project. The Atom Project. I thought that was pretty good. It was, yeah. it was fine. But there's, like, when he meets his younger self, it's just a kid talking like Brian Reynolds. Talking like Ryan Reynolds, right? right yeah. Like like adult Ryan Reynolds, and it was a little, a little much. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this movie, I liked the setup. Like I could see it was very. I mean, I say liked it. I mean, I recognized. I could see what they were doing. It's like, okay, this is the right. status status quo part of the story. We establish yep. here's here's these two guys. Here's how they live. It's all a little like the the baby projectile pooping in in that that was super off-putting right off the bat I'm like, oh, i don't want to watch one of these right i was now. like oh it's this kind of movie um i definitely watched the like unrated version of this which i think uh, i think you did too from us talking before uh we right. started um and yeah it just i don't know like it wasn't I won't I won't say it's bad um but I wouldn't I wouldn't call it good like on IMDb it has a 6.3 out of 10 and Oh yeah like Rotten Tomatoes is like 27% or something right Yeah the the Rotten Tomato scores are are pretty bad but I mean that's that's in aggregate right so like if a if a rating or a or a critic review is like a 5.5 that's that's still counted as a splat on the Rotten Tomato like yeah aggregator um which yeah for me this is this was like somewhere between five and six like i i, I would put I it could, right there yeah same thing. i could see i could see um reynolds and bateman trying to play each other right because that's the that's the gag they're doing here is like you know jason bateman was probably still pretty much known for Arrested Development and a handful of other roles where he like he yeah. maybe plays a leading man, but it's it's always this kind of straight laced, uptight kind of guy. Whereas you said Ryan Reynolds was doing this Van Wilder thing, and so there, right. it, it you know it's like like this whole movie was just for these two actors to to you know play against type. Um, but I didn't see like. A lot of the time, um, either one of them was just kind of doing a little bit of a version. Like, they were playing that kind of character instead of being the other character in their body. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if I... That, yeah. No, that I, I, I get that description too. I, makes I agree. Sense. I, I think that they they tried for a scene here and there where they it's like, okay, now I'm going to channel Ryan and I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to, you know, uh, channel... Um, Jason and we're going to we're going to do that but then yeah. they'd forget in the next scene and they're yeah. back to kind of just acting themselves 
in in this situation. Like Jason Bateman was playing Jason Bateman in a free bachelor kind of situation. Right. And he wasn't yeah. acting in the mannerisms of um, the other character when right. he was the scene before. And you could really tell. And I think these good Freaky Friday ones are where they do do that, where they're constantly in that other character's mannerisms. Yeah. Um, and they just... Because that's what, that's what sells it, right? It's, there, a, but... it's a body swap story. So, sure, sometimes they're supposed to be like pretending they're the other person and that's where it makes sense but then like their default state um should be them acting like the other character and maybe maybe because at this point in their careers both of these guys and i don't know that i've seen um jason bateman act too much out of type and i've definitely not seen ryan reynolds act very much out of type um right you know it probably was quite a challenge for them to um, to act that, act that that differently. Yeah. Well, you you get. So what you end up getting in this movie is Jason Bateman being Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds in 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 the position that they're or the you know characters that they're in, or the situation that they're in instead of a, a body swap. It is body swap all the way through, but you just don't. You know, when you're seeing a Jason Bateman scene. You're not, you're getting what it felt like. And I'm point thinking specifically of the, the dinner scene where they do the dinner song and things like that mm-hmm. was, um, just a, I'll say the word, the asshole Jason Bateman instead of the, the slacker, Ryan Reynolds um, character, bachelor Ryan Reynolds in that situation. It was just a yeah. jerk Jason Bateman. Right. And they, um, I think they tried to emphasize that by having Ryan Reynolds character swear so much. But, right, sure. And, yeah, and I, I guess that's a thing. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm 100% not prudish about that kind of thing. I mean, we've talked at length about how much I love Deadwood. But in this movie, it just felt excessive. Like, so much of it was just poop humor. Some, yes. Uh, it's literally in several cases. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I, um, I do believe that they were doing it intentionally as a mechanism to show that this character is that. And, and and that wasn't maybe wasn't maybe really that, believable. Maybe some of that is is you know me, you know I'm mostly used to new Ryan Reynolds and not so much of the you know I watched one Van Wilder movie in college at free movie night and I was like, this is too gross to be funny. Um, I don't even remember right. the funny parts because all I remember is the truly disgusting, um, like bodily fluid humor. Um, yeah, right, and. So, so I found that off-putting, um, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think that all of the, the the actors in here were doing a good job of beyond what we were just saying, like that they weren't actually acting things. They right. they were good delivering lines, doing stuff. Um, Leslie Mann was was great. Olivia Wilde was great. Alan Arkin was great. They're all playing their parts well, but the the movie. And it, I think part of it was the writing just didn't have anything special yeah, per se. There were there were moments of like sincerity and like when when Leslie Mann is is opening up to Ryan Reynolds about her her concerns about her marriage yes. and stuff like that was right. that was good. But so much of the rest of the movie was so crass and and ham fisted or on the nose 
that it it just felt out of place. Almost. Yeah, yeah, Especially I, I agree. And, and and I I was kind of left at the end thinking that like okay if these five actors and I'm going all the way down to Alan Arkin weren't weren't in this film it'd be a bad film. Like we sure. I put it five to six like you did, but if they weren't in it, if it was just other random people, I would give it probably a three or four. I bet you yeah. that it, would, if, it would not be as good. If if this was some Netflix or CW movie made with a bunch of no-names, you know, whose only other project was like, I don't know, Vampire Diaries or something, yeah, it would right. it would be like a three or a four. It'd be terrible. you get Razzies on it, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that means that I think, you know, these, these actors were doing good. Like they were delivering lines well. They were believable in their roles. Um, you know, situations type stuff, funny when making it funnier than probably the script gave. Um, um, even Alan Arkin's thing only had a few parts, but he still felt like a believable person. I think it was because of him. Uh, so yeah, it, it was fine, but the, the, the cast was better than what the, the film was it, with the exception of Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds, which I will say that we repeat what we had just said is that I think that those two are good with them, but they are not good trying to act like other people. They are good at acting as Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds, and that's the things they should do. Just like Tom Cruise plays Tom Cruise, you know, move on. It's fine. We're we're fine going and watching a Ryan Reynolds movie. We we like what he is. We'll watch more of that. I mean, he's everything he's done is that right? Um, Kind of, yeah. Same thing with the Tom Tom Cruise thing. You you want to go see a Tom Cruise movie? You don't want him acting like. Uh, I don't know. I guess you do see him in like Tropic Thunder acting a, a totally different thing. <laughs> true, but true. For, for but uh, for the most part, um, and and this was one where they these two actors did needed to be acting differently than themselves, and that did not come across, which did not help the, the thing. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, and I was hoping when I had picked because I had picked this one, I was hoping when I saw that trailer that this was going to be that because in the trailer they show that one or two shots where they are actually acting like the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're like, oh, I'm in. But they just, yeah, didn't do that one. And then I felt like at the end, it gets wrapped up way too conveniently that they don't address any of the real issues, kind of, right? Um, they run back at the end. He runs in, they pee in the fountain, and they switch back, and they're like, okay, everything's good and happy now. Everything's right? fine. Ryan Reynolds gets Olivia Wilde and... Jason Bateman like fixes his, you know, workaholic syndrome. Um, yeah, right. And it's just with like one realization, and and we all know that in in the real world, it's not that hard. You don't have to like suspend your disbelief much to know that like problems like these things that these people, these two guys are having, isn't something that nobody's ever told them. Like, hey, you're a slacker. Like right. even at the beginning, Jason Bateman's telling Ryan Reynolds' character, "You're a slacker and a quitter" the whole time, right? Everyone's telling them that, and everyone knows Jason Bateman's character is overworked, and they're always or he's overworking, and he's always. It's not like these things; these are problems. And even the other characters say they've been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. They've been doing this. Yeah, I mean, and just and that's now the, with one thing, you know. Yeah, that's the the sort of theme or the the um, the tool that a body swap is to um, storytelling is this idea of the people in their lives are honest with their best friend to a way that they're not to the actual person. Right. Amy Mann does it with, with Ryan Reynolds and Alan Arkin does it with Jason Bateman. 
and because they're because it actually is them in the body it's like oh you know he's hearing his wife's concerns about him honestly you know and and more frankly than she would do to him out of you know whatever love and concern for his feelings and and all of that stuff um but it still again because because the so the rest of the movie is so ridiculous um it feels a little out of place i did look because i've got imdb open here it said this this movie has one nomination and i was like what's it going to be a razzie or something (laughs) um and it's a nomination uh what is this young artist awards for supporting young actress and i was like who even is the daughter? this character no it's the girl who plays the babysitter do you remember the, <laughs> the really? one scene okay. when uh leslie mann just dumps emotionally all over the babysitter and she's like i really right. need to get home right and <laughs> i mean for that one scene yeah. for that one part she's she's good but right that's funny also in that scene i was like is wait a second nobody's body swapped with leslie man why is she just completely opening up to this you know minor this girl in this in the scene like why is this why is this how we're finding out about her um inner like turmoil it was just <laughs> right with very this, weird this weird thing well th- that was another thing too I, I that i got mixed in this film i didn't know how to think certain points so it's kind of like you know sometimes there's a message we always say almost films have a kind of a message and it's whether they're preaching to us or they're they do it in a nice good way or whatever sure the and then these body swap things that they're kind of telling you something like this is the thing you're doing bad and you should be lighten up or whatever right right um but i i often was getting lost at what the writers were trying to tell me here because they were making the air quote bad things seem like the right thing to do that these characters should do Right. Uh, it for the first half, you want to you want Jason Bateman to go and live a free life because he's so trapped in this marriage and this life and he's lost everything in life and it's not great and he's miserable. And you're like, maybe he does need to go out and have a free time and go out on dates and meet women and do things and have a have a vicariously fun life that he can do. And maybe Ryan Reynolds has this like needs is really going to fall in love with Leslie Mann. And should he be, you know, actually be cheering on that he's sleeping with his best friend's wife. I didn't know what they were wanting me to cheer for. Mm, Right. And then they don't, then they pull back kind of at the last second and you're like, Oh, I don't know. Do I want Ryan Reynolds to end up with Leslie Mann? Do I want Jason Bateman to end up with Livia Wilde? Because they're, and it was just, and then they mm. switch it back. Oh no! Yeah. At the last minute, they they go forward, and they then switch they're back. It's a it's a yeah a, a Christmas Carol again. Yeah, yeah. it was just weird. It was just really weird. It's yeah, it's some combination of the thing I just described of the people in their lives being honest with them, and them learning to be more like each other. Right, Ryan Reynolds learning yeah. to be more responsible. Jason Bateman learning to be less uptight. Right. Well, which I got. I just, you you kind of almost want to say that, you know, Mitch and Jamie, Ryan Reynolds and Leslie Mann, maybe are good for each other. And Olivia Wilde and Jason Bateman's characters are a great fit. Oh, sure. Right? They have a yeah. wonderful time and they're all do- doing wonderful. And you're like, they would end up great together. So, but then at the end, the last like 
20 minutes, they're like, oh, no, we want to actually get back with the original group and swap them back up and then learn the lesson. I'm like, wait, what lesson did you teach Mm, me? Which one of these lessons? (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, Am I supposed to cheer on? So that was not good writing um, in a confusing situation. So, yeah, I I would give this one again, like you said, between a five, five, between five and a six. It's Mm -hmm. not bad. It's not good. Um, It's one that's on... If it's on the TV at Thanksgiving, I wouldn't mind sitting and watching it. Right? Not that it would be on th- TV, this TV at Thanksgiving. This film, um, at least not the version we watched. And, uh, but it, you know, what I mean, if it's on a casual thing, you're bored and and right. it's on. Eh, sure, I'll watch it. And you're not going to die from it, right? <laughs> yeah. Or or yeah. or have scars like the room gave us. Um, <laughs> right. So okay, so this next one is your week. It's my week. So, I had a pick before, but let me let me feel this out a little bit. Do you feel do do you feel like a like a dumb comedy uh, kids movie or um something a little heavier or a lot heavier? Let's see what this week. Okay, don't have a lot this weekend, so I could do. I could do either. We, we often have to set aside heavy films, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm actually okay. I think for this weekend for watching something more, more deep. What, what, what I'm trying to look at your list and suss out what you're going to pick for me there. <laughs> what, what is this going to be? Um, okay. Let's watch the farewell. Okay. Not one I've heard. I want to say something for the listeners here. I'm going down. We, Dennis and I have lists of things that we kind of want to watch mm-hmm. and I'm scanning down his list here and I see one of them called heavyweights and he's got in parentheses behind it says, is this about your mom? So nice, Dennis. I'm well, well done. I'm 98% <laughs> sure you wrote that par- parenthetical. Oh, I wrote that. Okay. Even better. Is that? <laughs> that seems like, uh, seems I, like for some reason I think I thought you were writing a little message to me on that one. So I feel, no, I, I, I wouldn't put that on my own list. I don't think. uh okay so farewell what's what's this one about um this is about a i think chinese family um it's got uh aquafina you know her from uh, okay i've not seen her in anything with a comedy so from shang chi right she's she's uh clearly a comedic actor this is not a comedy i think her grandma or great grandma somebody in the family is dying um and there's a there's a, a sort of what do i want to call this um as i understand it as a as a american white man um a lot of asian cultures have this philosophy of not um like doctors, medical professionals, not tell, um, we didn't watch this. I watched this for movie club, a movie called, I'm going to forget the name. It's a Kurosawa film, um, where a man is dying. The main character is dying and the doctors don't tell him. I think he finds out another way and makes some changes, makes a lot of changes in his life, but the doctors aren't going to tell him. Um, it's, I don't, I don't think I can fully describe the, the thought process and and motivation behind that but i think it's mostly like not you know they'll they'll enjoy what's left of their life better without this hanging over them um this this knowledge and aquafina is 
uh, I think, Chinese-American. Um, okay. And so she was not really raised in this culture, so she is, you know, sort of the audience point of view against it's like, no, you should definitely tell her. Why are you lying to her? Um, kind of thing. But I heard about this a couple years ago. I think um, Fox recommended on his one of his What to Watch This Weekend movies, and it's been on my list to watch, but every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, this, this, this is going to be, um, you know, kind of heavy. And so I put it on our list to, at some point, force myself to watch by making you also watch it, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> so it it has to do with cancer, so that can't be a, a happy thing in general. No, no, right. Seeing as that they haven't cured cancer yet, still, so. Nope, not as of today. Not as of today, as the writing, but we never know what tomorrow will bring. We cross exactly. fingers. Exactly. Okay, cool. I, you know, I was just thinking films we need to watch. Do you know when, uh, this is a weird thing to ask on the air. Do you know when, uh, um, For All Mankind is coming back? Have you heard any news on that? I, I missed that show. I think we, we looked up. Was there a trailer at any point? I think there might have been a trailer at some point soon. I think somebody, he's, our he's, buddy Justin finds all the trailers and, um, and reminds us that shows exist right. because there are so many shows. Um, according to IMDb season four, episode one, November 10th. Oh, soon. Okay. I'm excited. So here we are, uh, listeners. I'm we're We're all going to get excited. Over, about, it's, it's about six weeks from now. The, yeah. About the, the next season of for all mankind, which I think is the last season. I th- think they might say, but maybe, um, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think Ed's going to be like 65 in this one. How old can, you know, if they just scratch them all out at some point have a whole new um, cast yeah have have a whole new cast which which i i'm not a fan of because their younger cast is not the greatest <laughs> so who would that's, that's not transfer that one but. common uh, but anyway i'm definitely looking forward to that one so i watched um started watching much delayed but you had watched um season two of schmigadoon mm. remember that show mm-hmm. um or or i guess it's schmicago what they're season they two yeah yeah season two yeah uh and well here's the thing musicals are as musicals are and that you like them sometimes or they're just terrible i, I there's very little middle ground with these things um, okay sure at least to me um and they're always a. Uh, I always approach them with a okay do what do i want to do here you know right because it, it's just i guess it's not scary it's just you know at arm's length almost uh, so Schmigadoon was a surprise for me that I actually liked it. Um, it just felt weird when it first episode or two. Um, and then I ended up really kind of enjoying it. Um, you and I watched Gallivant, which we both really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I had the same kind of feeling. It's like, man, okay, it's the same cast. Um, and the two main characters, the, the actors are fine, but there's just nothing I think that like King and Michael Key and the other ones have really done that I've been like, oh man, I love that film. That's my that's yeah, my these, film of them. These are both um or at least she is their their uh, SNL alumnus. SNL. Yeah, it, it feels very SNL people, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I, I did have that kind of feeling too. And then, then when the season two came back around too, I still I went back to that feeling of like ah, do 
do I, I got lucky with the first one. Am I going to, you know, watch this one? <laughs> so I started watching this and you watched them all, right? Of season two. You've seen them all. I did. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because they are, they totally do change the style from a, like a Rogers and Hammerstein type thing into a rent Chicago, um, type, um, rent Chicago, a little, a uh, little bit of cabaret, a little bit of, um, cabaret. Godspell. It's even got, uh, um, like West side story kind of type staging mm-hmm. and things to it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, they, it's intentional, right? They, set forward that that's what they're doing now. And it's, it's a big thing. Um, and I'm liking it. Um, they added the narrator guy who was in, he was a main character in, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Kimmy Schmidt. And I liked him in that a lot. Um, but then I've seen him in like one or two other things and the character that he plays in those things are just like the character he is in Kimmy Schmidt. So I'm like, okay, he's a one trick pony, but in this one, he's pretty great. Like I love, mm-hmm. Yeah. The way his role is and his little quips and stuff are great. Uh, so I thought I watched two episodes, and I am liking the story. I am liking the absurdity of it in the same, in almost in the same way that the Star Trek musical was. It's that it's got that we know we're in a musical, yeah, type it's, thing. It's, it's meta musical kind of thing, yeah. Which is, I think, very enjoyable. I kind of really like that, and that's the thing that's kind of keeping me going. Um, and I do like that. One, they wanted to be here, right? In the last season, mm-hmm. they were trying to get out was their goal. Right. Um, they're they're trying to get out now, but they're also, like, they understand that they, they kind of actually went into a musical world to experience that musical world. Um, so it's, it's funny when someone breaks into song and they're like, oh, okay, here we go. We're doing a song because this is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, they were always befuddled. Um, and so I, I really like that. Uh, I will say so far, my opinion of the first two episodes is that they are, they're really pushing the number of songs per episode. There's so many and it's a little distracting. Yeah. It's been a while since I saw season one, so I didn't have a good comparison there, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of music. I feel that about Disney films too. When I'll go into a, a thing and I'm like, oh, man, all right, they they just did a song, and now they're doing another song, and then another set, and another song, um, and that's always for me a sign of not a great musical or animated thing. Because um, I felt, I almost felt that way with the the newest Little Mermaid. They added another song in, and it felt like just like too much and it needed, mm. um, and the Schmigadoon is like that too. It's like, I want to, I want to learn more about these characters or things, but they're just going to break into song again. It's like, and some of those songs do further the plot. Sure. Yeah. But, but a couple of them are just like, there's one where some random guy goes into jail with him and he starts singing and it's a whole five minute song about him that, that they hate. Like, Everyone, when he sings it, doesn't like that he's singing it. And then later on, he starts talking to kind of make fun that he's singing. And I'm like, all right, it's just you're adding more and more songs that I don't want. So anyway, that's the, that's where I'm at right now is that I'm, I'm liking the story and I'm liking the characters, um, especially one of them. There's the um, um, uh, flapper girl is the best way to describe her. Uh, she's got um, kind of a flibberty gibbet. Yeah, um, she's, she's very she's a little bit. um well, a lot. Uh, Liza Minnelli from Cabaret. Yes, 
Exactly. I don't know if you ever uh, saw Catherine. Lizzie Boyles, is that her name? Or is the character she played in, in that? I can't remember. Something like that. Uh, she's the farmer's daughter in season one, that actress. Right. Yeah. And she's fantastic. Like, totally fantastic. She was fantastic season one. She's fantastic in season two. Um, and then then you start get leaking in other fantastic cast members. You know, you've got um, Kristen Chenoweth. Who, mm-hmm. Anything she's in, amazing. Um, I can't think of the guy who's in it. He's the mayor last season, and he's like Sweeney Todd in this one. Yeah, um, Sweeney Todd. But he's a super famous kind of stage guy, too. Yeah. Um, so when they come on, you're like, well, you can't. You can't complain too much because they're really good and they're doing really good. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's almost like they've, well, it's like a real theater musical. It can be terrible, but when you've got really great actors in there, they make it good. You know, you can have sure. a yeah. subpar thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to like it. I, the first episode I found myself having smiles and enjoying myself where <laughs> I wasn't, didn't think that I would. So I think it might be doing the same thing Schmigadoon season one did with me is just, you know, watching it and then it wins you over. Sure. Um, so I'll report back how I feel. Uh, what else did we have this week? Um, do you play any games? We played some Baldur's Gate, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got I've, to play our... I've been playing a ton of Baldur's Gate. I'm just <laughs> right. at the early... Excuse me. The early parts of Act Three, so I think I'm further ahead than than anybody. Our buddy Pete uh, was furthest ahead, and then he started another playthrough and is kind of taking a break because I guess they're going to do a big patch to to maybe fix and expand some stuff in Act Three, um, which okay. makes me a little nervous, but. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm ready, especially because you and I are doing a sort of "quote unquote" evil uh, two-player playthrough. I don't have yeah. quite that urge to like. Oh, do I really want to start over and just go like full? You know, make all different story choices. I don't know that I'm mm-hmm. quite ready for that. Um, sure, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm still enjoying the single player. I'm in Act Two. I think about twenty twenty five percent ish way through, maybe thirty um, of Act Two, and and I'm still enjoying it. So that's still full along for me. Good. I enjoy our two player. It's just so different because it's almost all the choices I would never make. Um, so it's so yes. interesting when we make them, mm-hmm. and you know we we're as you said not evil, but we're definitely the bad guys. Yeah. Um, so, you know, anytime a goblin wants to do something bad, we're like, yeah, let's do that bad thing. So, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. Without trying to kill people, I don't think we're trying to, like, kill our party members or anything. No, I'm sure you no. can do that. Yeah. Except for Halson. We, we killed Halson already last night. That's true. That's yeah. true. Which was just so weird. Yeah. The, the most righteous, upstanding character in the game in your party, and we, like, straight up murdering. Um, so that's fun. I played... Um, Last Tuesday, we played a game called Distilled. Uh, mm. The theme is that you're running Alcohol. a distillery mm-hmm. um, uh, on game night. And honestly, I, I don't even want to go into mechanics because it's every part of it is new mechanics. I can't even explain it by other games. Um, so, and there's, it's not complicated, but there were several things going on. Um, mm. And you do, you do have just very limited tr- choices on your turn. Uh, which makes the turns go pretty quickly. 
Um, we feel that we could have gotten it. I think we paid two hours and we could have played it for an hour and a half is what we could have, you know, since we're learning. Sure. Um, but what I wanted to impart about it is it is a game about distilling your own brew at a brewery. And it actually does a really, really good job of that theme. Like every mechanic in it fits with something you do in a brewery. And, okay. and when you're, you have to like pick your grain, the different types of grain and fruit and how much you want to put into a thing. And you have to buy them at the market and there's premium ingredients. And then you put them together. It doesn't always, a batch doesn't always come out how you want, but you can kind of control that. Um, and then you can, your brewery brewery can make different kinds of drinks, but you choose it. Like I, like I chose one of the things I wanted to really focus on was whiskey. Obviously like whiskey, Mike and I both did, which puts us in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's only so many pe- whiskey people, places people will, will want to go to. Um, so there's, it does plays on that kind of thing too. And, or I can do, I think, um, Pat was going after a Brazilian drink. So he was getting ingredients to make that. Uh, and then you can upgrade your, your brewery itself with, um, uh, like new kennel or, uh, kilns or new barrels. Um, mm-hmm. if you make, decide you're going to make the longer, more expensive whiskeys than, or, or drinks, which I was, which is whiskey, you have to age, age them. Yeah. So you have to actually put, there's a the mechanics in the game where you have to, to age the the stuff, which means that you're not making hardly any money or points and you feel like you're way behind. And then all of a sudden you get this big rush of money and points type stuff. Sure. If you successfully brew your cask. So it just does a really, really good job of putting a brewery mechanics and making booze into a game, a board game. Um, Thanks. And, yeah, it really is. And we were really surprised at how much all of us around the table liked it. It did have a big point salady type thing at the end. Um, I And I was playing, like I said, the whiskey. Mike uh, Trotsky and I were playing the whiskey and a hard alcohol, like the, the ones you have to age and stuff and put into barrels. That's the kind of stuff we were making. So our stuff was the long game. Mm-hmm. Um and Justin was doing the other thing, and he was playing make quick, cheap beers in sell them in fancy bottles uh, for quick cash and quick points, right? Sure. Um, and because of that, he was leading by a lot. No one thought that he could catch him. Like, he lapped us uh, on the points thing before we could get, like, almost halfway through the game. And we're like, well, there's no catching this type thing. So we were just playing to learn. Um, but then at the very end, like, on the last turn, Mike and I just because of the point salad thing that we had all, all of our stuff bore fruit and got bottled and sold and stuff like that. We made, we came up and beat him on that last bit. So I don't know how I feel about that. I want to play it again so that we know if that's maybe Mike and I just intentionally picked the harder route to do, but it ended up paying off. I mean, it fits Um, with the theme, which is a thing we talk about a lot in board games. Yeah. 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 So if that is the thing, then that's good because it was very nerve wracking for me. And I, and I told, told Mike, I would not play that that way again because it's very anxiety driven that I feel like I'm losing the whole game and I feel like I'm not doing well. And yes, I've got a lot of stuff in my casks, but I don't know how I'm going to win. Um, 
just like I'm sure like a real brewery. I think of Cardinal Spirits here in town in Bloomington that when they first opened, they were a distillery and they had to make money. But all their stuff is, you know, you have to put it in five years in the barrels and let it sit there yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how this game was. It gave that mechanic. And there was a lot of other mechanics. Make the different kinds of drinks and different levels of drinks. So more I talk about it, I, I want to play it again because um, of how good of that theme was. And yeah, so distilled, I would look into it. Um, I definitely give it a thumbs up. We played it with one, one, two, three, four. I want to say four or five, um, and five, I believe, uh, at two hours. And we we took a long time with a. We did a video, you know, uh, how to play. So that mm-hmm. took like twenty minutes. Um, so had we not had that and played it, we could have easily gotten it through in an hour and a half. Um, and it's really not that complicated if you watch the how to play it walks you through it pretty good so thumbs up definitely like that will be played again mike's going to keep it for sure and when you come into town dennis i would recommend you playing it i think you'd enjoy (laughs) the 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 other side to it and this is something you might like is there's not a whole lot of player interaction like you're doing your brewery now there is some like i said that i only so many people want to buy um you know the same kind of whiskey Right. Um, so there's competition with that, but very, very little. Mike and I never actually ended up bumping heads with each other. And Pat started getting whiskey and late in the game, but he decided against it because we were both getting into it. So there's a little, but it's not that bad. And I actually really prefer that. I like to be able to do my best job and then see how people come out. Um, there's also a market. So if somebody buys your grapes that you want, you know, it, it is what it is. Sure. Um, so yeah, th- when you come into town, Dennis, you should you should really sit down and play that one. It's, it's, yeah, I think you like it. Nice. It sounds sounds cool. Yeah. Um, have we talked about Nar, the Viking game? I do not recognize that. Oh no, I know Nar. Yes. Uh, hmm. I don't think so. I don't think maybe we, have, we might but, have, but but yeah. you've played it. Yes, with you, I think. Yeah, I think we played it in real time, and I I'm on my second. Uh, turn-based game now now spell it because just saying nar yeah k k n a r r um and this is a viking themed game which long listeners of the show will know michael is a big fan of viking uh i am am. indeed things um this is and although this is kind of like skinned it's not really like there's not like a viking kind of you're you're right about that um This is an engine builder, um, yeah, yeah, with a couple of unique uh, mechanics. I think um, there's a market of cards, and the the slots in the card market have colors that match the colors of the cards, um, and so there's a sense of well, not sense of. There's a mechanic where if I play a red card, I can get the card i can replace it like from my hand um so if i play a red card from my hand i can replace it with the card that's in the red slot for free yeah um which is not immediately obvious if you're on board game arena and haven't read the rules um and then uh you have this kind of like you so the cards are people Right, they're Viking soldiers that you're recruiting into your um, 
into your army, your squad. Um, and then you have a ship, and you can add to your ship with these location cards that are horizontal landscape-focused uh, cards, and, and those cards have three um, activation slots, sort of, trading trading slots. And I don't know, thematically, maybe it's like opening up trade routes or something. Um, yeah. And then on your player board, you have two currencies... Um, um, what are they? I don't know. One is helmets, and one is like bracelets. Um, oh, currency! Yeah, yes, right. Yeah. Y- y- your currencies. Um, the bracelets use in in two ways. Um, the first is if you want to, as I just said, you could replace the card from the slot with the same color of the card you just played for free. But if you want any of the other four slots, um, you have to pay one of those. I think they're called recruits from the little helmets. Um, and so that gives you some flexibility in your card uh, economy. And the other side is trading those little bracelets. Um, you can use up to three of those every turn um, to claim the rewards on your ship upgrades. So you can do this sort of like you buy the ship upgrades with a lot of stuff in the first slot. So you don't need as many bracelets to claim them every time. Um and then there is an additional mechanic, I would say what number if I had been counting them, um, called Reputation, where there's a there's a track, there's a scoring track around the perimeter of the main board, and then there is a sort of zigzagging track in the middle. Um, you boost your reputation, and once it hits certain breakpoints, um, you get that number of points on each of your turns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this sort of like multiple paths to victory sort of where you, you could just, you could just get a lot of points from your cards, your, your people cards, because each time you play a card of a color, it goes on your stack of cards of that color and you claim all the rewards on all of those cards, right? So you could just build right. an engine of people that just give you rewards every time you play a card. Um, you can build up the cards on your ship because um, while you can trade to claim the ship rewards every turn, you have to choose whether you're going to play a person card or claim a location card that upgrades your ship. Um, you have to choose that each turn. You can upgrade, so you can upgrade a lot of things on your ship and then use the trading um, mechanic to earn a lot of points that way. And all of the things that earn you points or, um, well, that earn you points can earn you, like the actions, like your your people that you play can earn you points or helmets or bracelets. Those are the, their proper names for those that I don't remember. The recruits, I think. Uh, the recruits and trading bracelets. And tra- yeah. Maybe trading something. Um, yeah. Or reputation. So there are these four sort of things and one of them is just pure victory points like most kind of game engine builder kind of games um so you can do you can get a lot of points from your troops you can get a lot of points by by upgrading your ship and you can get points from upgrading your reputation so you just get passive points and then it's a race to 40 points or something like that when you get to the back to the beginning of the board um 
on the track. And there's just and there's several little like ways to win, but it's not too much, right? Like there's yeah, you can go focus a lot on reputation, a lot on your discovery thing to to win. You can focus on getting cards for you know points at the top or building an engine. Uh, but there's it's really not a lot, but there's enough, right? You, and then the game doesn't take terribly long. Yeah, either, and right? you you also spend your people cards to buy those location ship upgrades. So you kind of, while I say there's multiple paths to victory, you kind of have to do all of those things. You um, kind of do. I'm, I'm learning that in my like yeah. second game here that I just lost. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was in my second game. I'm like, I'm going to try and do this one thing. And then I, I did it, but I realized doing that one thing was harder without doing these other things. And then right. by the time I learned that, everybody else had kind of been more well-rounded with a little bit more strategy on things. And I hadn't. So I'm like, Oh man, I, I should have kind of done a couple, you know, like yeah. built up we, my rep and built up my things. And we you know, started, we started a turn-based game before we played in real time on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in our real time game, I focused a lot on reputation. I was like, Oh, yeah. if I can, if I can max that out, that's five points every turn. Like that's, huge yeah yeah but um pete got to the finish line before i could like while i was focused on reputation i wasn't keeping up in my normal score to to win the race like it was too much of a slow a slow burn it's i mean the reputation is one of those sort of late game like you were saying in distilled um where you know if i focus a lot on points like there are very few ways to get five points a turn and so you might pull ahead early if you're doing a lot of you know quick cheap uh point earning uh actions and then as you get into the later game somebody who invested a lot in reputation might jump ahead and pass you um yeah because they're they're also in addition to the passive reputation um, gains are also doing those other things you were doing playing people playing crew that give you points or doing trading on your ship to get more points yeah uh so overall it's it's a it's a fairly simple but got some complexity to it and again not mm-hmm. too much uh, the choices you make do matter there's there are several choices on a round but I don't think anything would give people analysis paralysis, right? It's like, I do I so. turn in my recruits for wild card things or not, right? Yeah. Even um, when we, um, even when we played in real time, it didn't take too long, considering basically everyone was playing for the first time. Right. Yeah. Um, and and it's fun. And it, we've played these two games recently. Um, this one and. Um, the ape one, which for some reason is escaping me the name of after us, after us, we and talked about that last week. Yeah. yeah, last week, those two games have the you hit a certain point total that triggers the game, type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and th- those are interesting. Um, I'm internally deciding if I like those games or not because um, a lot of that is you have to modify your game expectations and air quote engine building to not do necessarily the long game, but you want some long games. So it's a kind of a balancing act because you have a timer that someone can rush. Right. Right. But they have to rush away that you can't, it's not easy to rush. Um, 
So I think I'm liking that mechanic because I what something I do like is a game that has a timer, right? That has a you've got five rounds and that's it. You mm-hmm. know, when you play Lords of the Water Deep, there's eight rounds and it doesn't matter how good you're doing or how much you've got for stuff now. Uh, it's eight rounds and you're done. And we all know it, right? Um, and so knowing that it's 80 points, it's 40 points, whatever the thing is, and that's the goal towards, it's not a secret to anybody. Um, yeah. And, and this game doesn't have any hidden information, does it? Like there's, there's no, the only randomness thing is like the cards that come out in the market. I don't, are other people's hands visible? Oh yeah. They're all visible. Oh no, actually that's right. The three cards they have in their hand are invisible. I've, I never looked because I'm bad at paying attention to what other people are doing when I play games. Yeah, but yeah. I, I guess that could so. be, you would know that they're going to get another trinket and then trade it and get the points. And I guess that's something. So, yeah, scratch that. There is a little bit, a little bit of hidden information. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like it. It's pretty good. I have not won. I've come second. This, this Actually, I realized this is the third game I've played. Came in second in the two games that I played and dead last in this recent one. <laughs> um, but I'm still, I still enjoyed it, you know, and I would play it again. And I absolutely do love that you can play it quickly and yeah, still get some fun out of it. It's simple and fast enough that I don't, I'm not too bothered if I don't win. Um, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. I did. Okay. I think my first turn-based game, I was annoyed because we played in, we played in uh, real time and I was like, oh, I think I understand how this works. And like, I had a big early lead and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to actually win this. And then a couple rounds later, like Pete was pulling ahead and I just had no chance of catching him. I'm like, that, 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 that's, was, that was my I last was, game here. Too. I was having more yeah. fun when I, I think, I think you were in that game. Um, when I was like, winning, right? I was, yeah. I was having more fun when I didn't care about winning, but then when I was almost winning, I was having a blast. And now that I'm <laughs> almost certainly going to lose, like I'm grumpy again. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, this last game that I played was very much like that is that I took, I took a big lead, but I, I hadn't built my foundation type stuff. I went up, pulled out and got the cards I needed and then didn't build anything. Like you said, the reputation that would continue to at least get me three points, you know, even when like off turns, when I'm not buying anything that gets other people points and they just slowly kept plowing ahead until the end. Then they're like, okay, now here's 20 points in a round. I'm like, Oh, I didn't, Pulled ahead too early. I think in that game, if you do go too early, then you're you might be have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, cool. Well, I think that's mostly all I've got for this week, man. We don't. Oh, I did. I did finish book three of five of the Lightbringer books by Brent Weeks. Um, hmm. I, I'm trying to get to that. I've, I've got this other Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman Dragonlance book that just came out that I really, really, really want to want to read because it just came out. I'm so excited about it. Um, book two of three. Um, but I've got, I'm in the middle of this Lightbringer series, which I love Brent Weeks. He's one of my favorite authors. He's almost one of those authors that um, he knows how to do an ending. And the reason he knows how to do an ending is because he's planned it from the beginning. Hmm. Right? Of sure. Um, yeah. And a lot of things I know from his other books that he's written are frustrating in the middle. Right. And then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, I had to be frustrated there to make this awesomeness here. Type sure. Thing. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's one of those, oh my God, why are you torturing our hero? <laughs> or why are you cut? Why did you cut off his arm? His arm's the thing that gives him superpowers. That's, that doesn't happen, but I'm just saying something like that, you know, why would you do that? Uh, why would you kill the love of his life when that's the, the point of the story? And then at the end, you find out that the actual love of his life was the, the maid girl that, that came in his, you know, his life randomly. And she's actually the hero of the story. And you didn't know that at the time. Right. Mm. Um, but when you're in those middle things, it's rough to kind of, you don't <laughs> see that. And I, that's part of the thing that makes a good writer. I think is when you don't always see the obvious, even though you think it might be obvious what you're reading. Yeah. Yeah. Something I heard Brandon Sanderson say is the, the, the twist, the reveal should feel to the reader, um, inevitable, but not obvious, not expected. Yeah. Right. Where you're right. surprised, but like the moment after you're surprised, you're like, Oh, of course, of, of course. course that was going to happen. Yeah. Right. Yes. And that's he, in, in his last books, he's done that. And I really appreciate that. And it just made me fall in love with it. And I know that and I can feel that that's happening here, but I will say I'm at the end of book three and you and I talked about off the air. I'm a three book trilogy kind of person. This is five, and I, I'm i stuck in this middle area for three books instead of just one book. <laughs> um, so uh, the thing is, do I do I start? I need what I need to do is just start book four and, and go. I, I just keep looking over at that that uh, other book, book series that I want to continue on, and it's agony. I put it in my bag. I can carry around a bag. And it's primarily got uh, my book in it that I'll go and sit down at a coffee shop and read. And it's there and I'm carrying around every day, but I'm not reading it because I'm, I got to focus on one thing. Can't let ADHD take me over. Um, <laughs> and focus. But anyway, it's, 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 I can't, that's why I said I can't really review the Lightbringer book so far because I think I'm in the middle of that doldrums and it's not mm. doldrums. It's just that. All the things I thought were happening are just now not ever going to happen, and I don't yeah, know the, why he's even doing things or why the, we're doing this. Yeah, the 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 all hope is lost, or the dark night of the soul, whatever you call it. It's the it's the Empire Strikes Back of the of the story. Yeah, and 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 it it almost feels like well, none of the things I just spent all these last two books going through matter, right? Um, why would you do that type stuff? Um, and, and again, because I know the kind of writer he is, he's not doing the, and sorry for all you Martin fans out there, he's not writing as he goes, right? Sure. He has a plan. He's writing it out. You just have to read it, you know, type stuff. If it's a Martin book or a lot of writers, they just kind of go where the, the, the mood takes them. And then you sure. don't know if the story is going to have relevance through it's just the moment you're living in when you're reading. Yes, yeah, especially with multiple books. Yeah. And this one, it's not that case. So I'm sticking through it. Right? It's fine. But I'm a little I'm a little grumpy at it right now. But I know <laughs> that it's going to... I have faith that it's going to continue uh, to be good. Because the characters are cool. solid. And the writing is solid. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where I am with my books. I still look over at you. Dragons <laughs> of Deceit. I really want to read you. Uh, anyway, I just finished um, a trilogy. Uh, I I don't. Know. The first book is called Daughter of Smoke and Bone. Okay. Um, this is not Shadow and Bone, is it? No, it's okay. uh, it's a YA series. There's not much that I can say about it 
that doesn't spoil the plot because it it starts we talked about this off air the first book starts with a sort of normal girl but like kind of extraordinary she's 17 and Mm -hmm. it annoyed me at first because i'm like this this, she's way too like capable and accomplished for a 17 year old um which is you know shows you i am not as a in 40s year old man reading a ya with a female protagonist i'm obviously not the target market um, oh sure for this book but it was recommended somewhere so i was listening to the audiobook from from the library libby libby um and yeah it was it was solid like not um you know i wouldn't call it the greatest thing i ever read but um when i got to the end of the first book i like returned it and went on the app and got the second one right away partly because it was kind of a cliffhanger but i was like this is interesting like the cast is small enough that i could follow along there's actually a character um that gets a lot of uh screen time page time in the third book who reminds me a lot of um uh lizelle in, oh, yeah. in Baldur's yeah. gate three also her name was similar like uh now i'm not gonna remember her name that's annoying <laughs> um anyway it was it's three books um you know the whole story um you know like complete story i don't know what i'm trying to say there um but they were they were solid well you know what we need to do we need to actually make like make it official for the show sit down and watch the um the larian studios uh, D um thing that they have with the voice actors i know you and i are kind yeah. of watching them uh, we that should... was a that was a thing I had I had in the back of my mind as like if we were short on if we were short on topics I could talk about that because I had seen clips I think you sent me mm-hmm. some I keep seeing them on yep. TikTok and then um, somebody on Discord posted the full video of the first session just like two two and a half hours long you know like everybody does with D and D podcasts um, but it's video they got six all six I don't know six of the voice actors. Um, yep to play their characters from the game, which is fantastic. Are there, are there no characters that are missing? I guess, I don't know if Halson's a thing or... Halson, spoiler. Jahira, um, yeah, there there are several, but it's um, Lizelle, Shadowheart, Asterion, Will, Gale, Karlak. and Karlak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is then, like, that seems like the core. Yeah, there and there are a couple of moments um, early in the setup where the DM steps away and they have the narrator uh, there to read the. Oh, dang. it's great! Yeah, it's it's great because they like cheer and they all everybody's having a great time. Um, I I watched slash listen, listened to because it's D and D. You know, you can yeah yeah mostly just mostly just listen while I was moving camp over the weekend. Mm. Um, Sounds like and, I got some catching up to do then with it. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I have complicated, very personal uh, blocks that keep me from enjoying Critical Role, which I know is a massively popular um, celebrity D&D uh, thing. I mostly yeah. just, I can't get into it. They're just too good, and it makes me depressed. Um, <laughs> yeah, all sure. of them, you know, Matt Mercer is phenomenal and also good looking and 
it's the, yeah. the whole cast it's is beautiful. all the perfect the, things. You guys are too the, too beautiful for this, the, right? They're all they're all really good at D and D, and also really good at acting because they're voice actors, you know, character voices and and storytelling immersion, all this stuff. And I'm like, it's just it's kind of like if if Jim and Pam were played by Margot Robbie and you know, freaking. Uh, um, Ryan Reynolds or Ryan yeah. Reynolds, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit, and then I have a weird like, you know, there are a lot of real people in the world trying to play D anD D and having a bad time because they're expecting it to be like Critical Role, oh, like Critical Role, and like that's yes. a, whatever. I don't, I don't want to. This I was able to really enjoy. I think because most of the voice actors um, had never played. D and D, so there was a lot of like the DM explaining um, stuff to them, like you'll do this, like you you roll, you know, a D four, that's the little pyramid one, or a D twenty, that's the big one, and then at one point late in the game, I think Carlac used a D twelve, and it's like it's it's like the D twenty, but it's a little bit smaller, um, and, like you had to <laughs> describe it each time, and and all of that was great, and everybody, um, especially. Uh, I, I, don't remember any of their real names but um the guy who voices Asterian was just like voicing in character all the time the rest of them did it sometimes but he was just effortlessly in character um all you know whenever his character was talking it was great that's awesome i i um i really like how it's kind of like the strange new worlds thing how the the voice actors truly like their characters like some of them are bad, so they're not necessarily like like them. Oh, right. But they, right, right. They, they, uh, in truly, you can tell they enjoy playing the characters that they've played. Yeah. And voice yeah. acting isn't like voice acting for something like Solar Opposites or some or, or Simpsons. It's where you're reading a script. It's you're reading out of place lines, just straight one line things constantly, right? Mm-hmm. You're not sure. And there's yeah. just thousands game, game and thousands acting, and thousands yeah. of lines. Um, that aren't necessarily interconnected until you play the game. Um, so these um, these actors have really, you know, you can tell that they have fallen in love with it. They they love being like hanging out with each other. You can tell since they're yeah, the, rise to fame with TikTok. You know, like this and some other uh, promotional content. You definitely get the sense that they they enjoy. I've seen a lot of the narrator like uh, outtakes and and bloopers and stuff, and I'm like, this is. This is fantastic. It is fantastic. Another thing I and like then, is that then Larian doesn't the, seem to care, right? They're, when they're I fine play, with it. Yeah, or they're probably encouraging. Like, they they yeah. uh, sponsored the, the D&D because it's not them. It's yes. another channel that does D&D. Um, right. And, yeah, and then when I'm playing the game and I, you know, hear the narrator say some of this ridiculous stuff, I'm like, <laughs> I can just picture that lady in the booth, like, reading these lines like what what is that word how do i pronounce that it's I, I love i love uh the actress that plays lazelle is probably i think i've seen the most prolific of getting on and doing things sure. um, but she she again she seems she's got it down pat right all of the little ticks and mannerisms that lazelle does because they um, also did um i think most if not all of the voice actors also did mocap for like body language and stuff. Oh, they did. Doing. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. That makes sense. Cause, cause the guy that plays Asterian, um, the voice that voices Asterian, when he's doing his D and D stuff, he, I can tell he moves kind of like he does. 
Uh, right. I'm like Asterion uh-huh. moves like him is what yeah, the, you see. Cor- correct. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's the, yeah. Or he he's moving like he acted Asterion. I don't know if he really moves that way or not. You know. So. Oh, sure. right, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you're like you said, he stays in character pretty pretty much the most time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it is it's just a joy watching those things, and I want to watch more. So you've seen them, and I'll, I I have to go back and watch that thing. They they seem the best part is they all seem to have a smile on their face. While they're doing whatever they're doing with this stuff, yeah, they're um, all having a blast. Yeah, they're all having a blast, and and you don't see that for voice actors in a video game, right? Um, I I I know that like The Last of Us actors really really enjoyed being in in that and have interviews and they go to conventions and stuff, but they're just not they've not gotten the fame. The, the widespread fame that these guys are, are, are enjoying right now. And that's pretty cool yeah, for a role-playing game, you know. And that's a thing after after bashing so much on Critical Role. I, that's a thing that I would probably give them some credit for is bringing more awareness to the career and culture of voice acting and making the, mm. the consumers, the audience, more aware of like, oh, this is this person and they, they voice this and this and, um, you know they're they're online making content and they're really cool and whatever yeah and and because we do live in a world where you can make you know you can put your own two-minute video out and it's content right and never the world gets to see it um Mm -hmm. uh, we we can do that live in that world like uh the actress that plays lazelle doesn't have to like have a professional studio or record things and send it in and she can just sit in her living room and fire off a, a couple lines and then post it to the to the to the web and it there it is um pretty cool so yeah and, and also it's because obviously credit goes to larian studios for not just a great game but also great scripts great characters that they've developed and made so um can't can't say not just the voice actors but that all of the team of probably hundreds of people over there at larian um continue to to make great games for sure sure all right i think i think we did it man we Scraped a little bit in there at the end, but we got a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, yeah. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 200, 200, 316, 316. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on all the things. If you would like to reach out to us and tell me everything I'm wrong about Critical Role, you can do that via email. <laughs> our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you'll find contact forms there where you can reach out to us. I'll also put links in the show notes uh, for those board games that we talked about. If you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you'd leave us a positive review, we appreciate that. It helps out with those algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.